And now, before we officially begin this week's episode of the Boochcast, I have something very important that I need to discuss with all of you here at the Boochcast Nation. As you know, for many years now, I have been affiliated with a wrestling company called Universal Championship Wrestling. And the company is run by a gentleman by the name of Ronnie Gossett. I've known Ronnie for close to seven years now, and and anyone who knows Ronnie like I do knows what a bright light he brings with him everywhere he goes. Sadly, his declining health has added to the intense depression that he's fought since losing his daughters in 2017. Ronnie, in addition to being a wrestling promoter, also uses his musical gifts to spread joy to everyone around him and invest in his community every time he has the opportunity. Ron's health has begun to severely affect his quality of life and his ability to function independently. After being hospitalized, he has been advised by doctors that he doesn't have the one to two years it would take to get his health under control. However, there is a solution. Ron can get through this physical trial and thrive if he is able to raise the funds for a life-saving surgery. There is so much hope for his life, there is so much joy left for Ronnie to spread, and there are so many more fun nights he gets to create. Fighting diabetes that is out of control, coupled with blood flow issues and coronary heart disease, has brought intense pain to Ronnie's life daily and made even the most simple tasks incredibly difficult. He is losing the ability to work and provide for himself. Ron has been involved in the professional wrestling industry as a wrestler and a promoter for over 20 years with events that entertain many and also makes a living traveling throughout Georgia and South Carolina, facilitating karaoke and using his singing talent to entertain and inspire others. Ronnie will wear the mask of I'm okay forever and is the last person to ask for help. Trust me, I know this from experience. I love Ronnie to death, but he is a stubborn bastard, and he will never ask for help. He has needed friends to help him get to and from events in recent weeks, but struggles with shame, embarrassment, and believing that no one cares about him. His life matters, and it can be saved. Any amount helps. A surgery will save his life and give him the opportunity to live many more years blessing the lives of others, even reconnecting with his children in the future. And that is why I am encouraging everyone to go to the GoFundMe page that we have on our Boochcast Facebook page and donate whatever amount you can to help him raise the money he needs for this life-saving surgery. The goal is to raise $15,000. Now, as I mentioned before, every little bit helps. So you're not required, obviously, to donate thousands of dollars if you don't have that kind of money to throw around. But every little bit that you can give helps. And just to show how serious I am about this, I personally, Vinny Bucci, have donated $50 to the GoFundMe campaign. And I'm doing it for two reasons. One, because I consider Ronnie a dear friend in addition to a coworker, and I desperately want him to get better. But the other reason is to show all of you, the Boochcast Nation, that I always practice what I preach. And the one thing that I always preach to you guys is that I never, ever, ever, under any circumstances, ask any of you to donate money to any cause that I myself 
am not willing to donate to. So go to GoFundMe.com slash Saving Ron's Life. I will have links to this on the Boochcast Facebook and Twitter page for you guys to easily access and donate whatever amount you can. Every little bit helps no matter what it is. Don't feel like if you're donating a small amount, you're not contributing. You are helping us to reach this goal. Let's help Ronnie get back on his feet and get him the life-saving surgery he needs to thrive and provide and live a long and happy life. Hello? Hey, Ryan. Uh, we're just wondering if you're still coming in today about 4 o'clock. We really want to get you in and get you, get you going with the team and uh, you know, get you in. I, I can't. I got a really important meeting with these oh, Michelin oh. tires and this fucking blind. Uh, can, can we? No. I woke up this morning with a text from a guy at a place. The devil must have moved back from GA. I got invited to a meeting. I got stoned and I showed up and they gave me a piece of paper that said, you want to come get fucked? And that's hard facts. Look what you made me do. You'll need a swift tailor to match me. The weed burns in my hoodie down in the gulch. You're fucking smashing. You know, it's funny. And it's easy to put on this fake persona. You couldn't bullshit a country boy as bad as a millionaire. And that's fucking honest. I'm glad I stayed at the bottom. The top cannot come hang with us. I'm a text rap lab at noon tomorrow. Tell him I need my Sioka in this new car. I need new garage on all the seats with a window sticker that just says, My name's on this fucking title, but not in your pocket, man. I don't need no big machine. Beside my 
the CMAs. Well, good thing I don't give a fuck. My living room don't got television. They must not have Googled me and scrolled back to the very beginning. Look, guys, we did it, did it. Goddamn right. We winning, winning. No talk shows, no interviews, no airplay. We fucking did it. Church. <laughs> Yo, I didn't graduate, man. I used to hate on my fucking self. I used to let people fucking shit on me all the goddamn time. Not no more, dog. The master broke the chain link. What's up, everybody? This is Vinny Bucci, a.k.a. The Booch, and welcome to the recap of NXT. And, of course, I am riding solo this week for the NXT recap, because as you guys know, uh, the NXT correspondent, John Tumblin, is taking time off from the show to go plan his wedding. Him and his fiance are scheduled to be married in October, so they've got a lot of work to do between now and then to make that wedding happen. So I was nice enough to give John uh, time off to deal with that, and then eventually he will make his return to the show. And uh, I know last week I had the broke, soulless ginger Zach Scott with me on the show, but because Zach only had that one Tuesday off that one time, he is not able to join me for this recap tonight. Also, for those of you that listened to that song that I played at the beginning of the show, if you're wondering why I chose that song, it's based on some shit that I went that went down in my life recently, and I'm not going to share it right now because I want to get focused on NXT, but possibly on next week's show that I do with Elvis, our regular show, I might share a little bit of it, but I'm not going to go into detail because there's a lot of things in that uh, incident that I want to keep confidential. But anyway, that's either here nor there. We'll worry about that later. Today is all about NXT, and we're going to kick things off with the first official match of the evening, Ember Moon versus Dakota Kai with Raquel Gonzalez. This, ladies and gentlemen, was a solid, solid opening to the show. Here's what I loved about it. Great wrestling, great back and forth action. The chemistry between these two is phenomenal. Now, granted, we have seen Ember Moon and Dakota Kai wrestle before. I know they wrestled on the Go Home episode of NXT before the Great American Bash. So, obviously, this is a rematch from that, which is why I'm glad it opened the show because this was not a match that was worth hyping, in my opinion. Ember Moon failed to capture the NXT women's title. Therefore, this rivalry, in my opinion, means absolutely nothing. So it was a way to get something in there to open the show, but we also know that it was meant to set up an angle because after uh, Dakota Kai hits a rope-assisted GTK for the win, the lights go out, Xia Lee appears on the stage, she power walks to the ring, gets in Gonzalez's face, and challenges Gonzalez for the women's title, and Gonzalez accepts. So I'm kind of jumping the gun here, but I'll bring it up anyway. Next week on NXT, these two will face off for the NXT Women's Championship. And all I got to say is I am looking forward to this match because of the rivalry these two have had. I can't remember if they fought for the women's title or not because I believe last time these two feuded with each other, uh, Raquel was not the champion yet. Now, I could be wrong. My memory's a little fuzzy because of lack of sleep, but I think that is the case. I don't think she was champion when they originally started this feud, so I think it's going to be their first time fighting for the title. If I'm wrong, I apologize in advance, 
But either way, I think they're going to have a great women's title match next week. I look forward to seeing that. Uh, as far as where Ember Moon goes, I have no idea because apparently Tegan Knox and Shotzi Blackheart were on SmackDown recently and they came on as a tag team, which I thought was fucking confusing. So I don't know if Tegan Knox and Shotzi Blackheart are permanently on SmackDown or if that was just a test out thing. But it would be weird to see them get called up, especially since Tegan Knox made a return with that battery power-up thing, which I thought was weird that she was the person behind that. And it, it looked like they were going to reignite the rivalry between her and Candice LeRae. Now, if they're not going to do that, then I failed to see the fucking point in bringing her out there other than it was, okay, she's going to cost her the title, and then that's it, and then she's done. The women's tag team titles, I mean. And then she's just going to leave. But if that's the case, so be it, because I don't see Tegan Knox doing well as a singles competitor on the main roster. Shotzi, I think, has a shot, but if they want to put her in a tag team with Tegan Knox for the time being, I'm okay with that. I just know that once they split, unless Tegan Knox gets some person underneath her I don't see her doing well on the main roster because even though Tegan Knox is a phenomenal wrestler she is not a very good personality and you need personality in order to succeed on the main roster you have to have a gimmick you got to be able to cut promos some people might not like that I'm saying that but that is the truth Shotzi has all that. So if they split, Shotzi's going to be okay. Tegan, not so much. But anyway, Ember Moon, in my opinion, needs to be on her own anyway. I don't want to see her in a tag team. I think Ember Moon's a star. She definitely needs to be a future NXT Women's Champion. I'm actually surprised she didn't win the title at the Bash. But either way, I think this is going to be good for everyone involved. Ember Moon took a loss. Uh, she can eventually recover from that. And it, like I said, this match was a good opener that set up an angle. And on that note, we cut to Cameron Grimes, who arrives at L.A. Knight's house. Knight says he didn't think Grimes would show. Grimes says he's a man of his word. Knight tells Grimes to meet him in the backyard. Knight makes Grimes get his beard and hair trimmed. Knight tries to make fun of Grimes, but Grimes loves his new look. And Knight storms off angry. Now, I'm going to talk about this right off the bat. Throughout the, the night, we see different vignettes of Cameron Grimes and L.A. Knight. At one point, he wants him to push a lawnmower around, like one of those small little dingy lawnmowers that's not, like, you know, that's not gas-powered or battery-operated or, or anything like that. It's basically a push lawnmower that is meant to cut small yards, but he wants him to do it on this big yard. And Cameron Grimes basically loves it because he said, Granny used to chase me around the lawn with this, so it was great. And it turns out later on that Cameron, because Cameron Grimes is also a millionaire, he decides to pay a kid to do all the work for him while he lounges by the pool. And then, you know, he's going to pay the kid $500. L.A. Knight says, you're not paying the kid, kicks the kid out. Then uh, he sees this mess on the ground. He tries to rake it up and uh, accidentally, and I'm putting up quotations even though you can't see that because it's an audio show, he accidentally, <laughs> on purpose, knocks L.A. Knight into the pool and L.A. Knight gets all pissed off and... Uh, Cameron Grimes says, I'm sorry, sir. I gotta say, I love this direction that they're going with this gimmick. Because usually, when someone has to be someone's butler, or someone's slave, or basically work for another person under duress, which we've seen a lot, personal assistant gimmicks, 
in wrestling. Usually the person being the personal assistant or the butler or the slave usually is angry about it. They're depressed about it. They're humiliated and degrading. Cameron Grimes is loving every second of this. He is taking it all in stride, which is pissing off LA Knight because the whole purpose of this thing was to torture him and for him to hate it. So if he's enjoying it, then it's not a punishment and therefore it's the plan's not working. And that's great psychology. Not just ring psychology, but actual mental psychology in general when you can make something like that happen. That is a brilliant way to go about things. It's fan-fucking-tastic that they're going this route. I think it's going to make this rivalry much better, and I think at some point, L.A. Knight is going to get sick of this, and he may just kick Cameron Grimes out as his butler altogether. Or they might have a match where Cameron Grimes would get free from being his butler if this and this happens. Like, I don't know. I don't know how this rivalry is going to end or where this is going to go, but I'm liking it either way. This is, I like this storyline. And on that note, we cut to the next match of the evening, if we even want to call it that. Bobby Fish versus Tyler Rust with the Diamond Mine. This match was barely even a match. Basically, there was a couple of wrestling moves, and then all of a sudden, Roderick Strong distracts Bobby Fish as he's making his comeback, and then Rush hits his finisher on Bobby Fish for the win. So Tyler Rust gets the win. The Diamond Mine surrounds Bobby Fish. Kushida comes down to ring to make the save. And they book the match for next week. Kushida and Bobby Fish versus Roderick Strong and Tyler Rust. Now, I'm liking the Diamond Mine. I like where they're going with this. I do find it weird that we have two former members of the Undisputed Era that are now feuding. Because we just saw Adam Cole and Kyle O'Reilly feud. Now we're about to see Roderick Strong and Bobby Fish feud. And I think that that's... (laughs) Fucking weird. We're basically, we're, we're seeing two different members of the Undisputed Era imploding. Like, the two people that were stars and the two people that were, it's like Adam Cole, who's a star, Kyle O'Reilly, who's kind of a background guy, against Roderick Strong, who was also kind of a star, and Bobby Fish, who's definitely a background guy, because he's been injured for most of the Undisputed Era's run. So, it's going to be interesting to see where this goes. I do believe at some point it's going to culminate in a cruiserweight title win for Roderick Strong. Otherwise, there is no reason for Kushida to get involved in this match. And like I said before, I would rather see Roderick Strong with the cruiserweight title than Kushida any day of the week. And on that note, we cut to the backstage area with Samoa Joe, who walks to the gym carrying Cross's training in. Cross is hitting the heavy bag. Joe tries to give Cross directions, but Cross is ignoring him. Joe kicks the bag, gets in Cross's face. Cross tells Joe if he screws in the night, it's over for him. And I like it. It's basically Samoa Joe saying, hey, here are the rules. Protect yourself at all times and obey my commands at all times. And technically, Samoa Joe can hit the bag because he's not hitting Karrion Cross, But he's looking him in the eye and making sure, do you understand the rules that I just gave? Because my word is law in that ring. And Cross is threatening Samoa Joe and all that stuff. And, you know, obviously Joe can't touch him unless he's physically provoked. We'll get into that a little bit later in the show. But either way, it was a great great backstage segment and you can see the tension you can see Samoa Joe is dying to get his hands on somebody he's begging someone to physically provoke him and on that note we're going to move on to the next match of the evening I am so excited to talk about this we have Saray versus G.G. Dolan now for those of you who may not know G.G. Dolan is actually Priscilla Kelly Yes, 
that Priscilla Kelly, the same Priscilla Kelly who uh, who made a name for herself in AWE, Atlanta Wrestling Entertainment, the same Priscilla Kelly who wrestled for UCW on the UCW Payback Show against Tracy Taylor, the same Priscilla Kelly that used to be a referee on the Adult Swim show Daytime Fighting League, the show that most of you know I was the breakout star on. I did two seasons of it. Uh, Priscilla Kelly was our referee. She was fantastic. And also the same Priscilla Kelly who made one appearance in AEW, wrestled in the Cruiserweight Classic in WWE, and is the former wife of Darby Allin. I was excited for this match just to see Priscilla Kelly on NXT TV. That was all I needed to see. That's all I needed to see. Uh, Saray, great wrestler. Like her, I like her a little bit. Uh, obviously, she hit the half Nelson suplex and got the win because they're trying to build Saray up as a badass. But either way, I was just happy to see Priscilla Kelly in the ring. Yes, her name is Gigi Dolan, but I know her as Priscilla Kelly. And like I said, I have I love Priscilla Kelly's wrestling. I've met her before. Uh, I wouldn't say we're besties, but I do consider her a friend on some level because I know if I saw her, we would you know things would be cordial because we've worked together on multiple occasions, you know, both in the wrestling business and in Adult Swim. So I've I've known Priscilla Kelly. I was the one that recommended her to Ronnie when he was looking for a female to take on Tracy Taylor at UCW Payback a few years ago. I immediately recommended Priscilla Kelly and convinced Ronnie to book her for the show. So I wanted Priscilla Kelly. I love Priscilla Kelly. I'm a huge fan. And I love seeing her on NXT, and I love that she is getting the exposure. Now, granted, I'm not a big fan that she changed her name, but I understand that WWE likes to do that, and I'd rather they trademark the name Gigi Dolan than try to trademark Priscilla Kelly. That way, if Priscilla ever gets let go by WWE and goes back to the indies or goes to AEW or Ring of Honor or Impact Wrestling or whatever, she can go by the name Priscilla Kelly. And I like what she's doing with the Gigi gimmick. I like where it's going. I I like how she portrays it. It's a different side to her personality than what we've normally seen. So she's making it work for herself. And this was just me as a fan enjoying this match. And of course, after that, we get to the backstage area where we see Indy Hartwell talking with Beth Phoenix, where she said that even though Dexter Loomis carried um, Indy Hartwell to the back, uh, nothing really romantic happened because they just lost the tag belts. And, you know, Dexter Loomis, I guess, didn't want to take advantage or neither one want to take advantage. And Beth Phoenix says, sometimes you just got to take a chance. So the question is, will we finally see this relationship come together? Well, I'll answer that question. Actually, right about now, because we move on to our next match of the evening with Dexter Loomis versus Santos Escobar. Loved every minute of this match. And why did I love it? One word, psychology and lots of it. There was psychology, there was storytelling, there was very there was no spot monkey stuff. There may have been one or two crazy spots, but that's fine. One or two is acceptable. Uh, these guys did very well. Dexter Loomis plays his gimmick very, very well. And he's ve- and you forget how great he is in the ring because the man has no expression whatsoever, but yet has the ability to keep your attention. It is a rarity to see in wrestling, but it does exist. And what made it even better was that even though Dexter Loomis lost the match, he lost the right way due to outside interference, getting slammed to the ring post, and then Escobar taking advantage and hitting the phantom driver in the ring for the one, two, three. 
and Santos Escobar wins the match. And then Escobar and company are walking up the ramp. Hit Row cuts them off because earlier Escobar was talking about how he wants to be the North American champion and how uh, Isaiah Swerve Scott got in his way when he took the belt from Bronson Reed. And then um, both groups argue. Legato eventually walks away. Then we see uh, Indy Hartwell walking down the ring uh, to try to carry Loomis to the back like he did for her last week. Uh, Hartwell eventually falls over since Loomis is too heavy. Loomis and Hartwell about to kiss, and Candice LeRae runs down to the ring and pushes Hartwell off of Loomis. So once again, we think we're going to see the romance, and then once again, Candice LeRae has to be a twat swatter and prevent her friend from getting laid, which is fucked up. And there are women out there who do that, and those women are called cunts. So anyway, um, this kind of goes back to what I said before about them dragging this out for way too long. And I feel like we're getting to that point now. We're getting to the point to where if they keep dragging this out any longer, the fans are going to give it fuck you heat. To where it's not going to mean as much because they're taking forever to make this happen. I don't know what the hell they're waiting for. What are you waiting for? Unless you plan on having a takeover the week of SummerSlam, which is next month, there is no reason on this planet to drag this out any longer. There isn't. There just isn't. And on that note, we're going to move on to the next match of the evening. We are now entering the NXT Breakout Tournament. We have Duke Hudson versus Eichmann Jiro. Now, I have no idea who the fuck these two guys are. I will say that Eichmann Jiro confused the fuck out of me with his promo. He really did. Like, this one minute the guy is speaking English with subtitles, and then out of nowhere, he starts speaking in Japanese. Like, he can't make up his mind on who he is and what he wants to be. There's just no reason or rhyme to anything that he does. Then, on top of all that, we then have uh, Duke Hudson, who I believe is this big Australian guy from what I've seen. And I will say, Duke Hudson looks amazing. Now, I will give Jiro credit. He does have a great personality. Um, and he definitely has charisma. Now, the fact that he can speak a little bit of English helps, and I'm hoping that when he starts cutting promos in the ring, he will speak English regardless of the thick accent. Because I understand that as a Japanese wrestler, if you speak English, you're going to have a bit of an accent. I give people a pass with the accent, provided that it's not too stereotypical, you know, if it's or provided that it still can be delivered in a serious way. But the guy's got great personality, so I can give him that. But as a wrestler, he does a lot of Japanese stuff, but he's not. I didn't see enough of him to know if he does the strong style shit, but I know Duke Hudson was pretty much in control of most of the match, and you can tell Duke Hudson is a serious worker, and that's what I love. The dude's got fists of fury, he's got a great look. He's definitely somebody that if he's got, if he can work on the promo skills a little bit, just a little bit, he is somebody that I believe could be a future NXT champion. Now, I know that's a bold statement to make. I don't expect him to be NXT champion anytime soon. I'm just saying in the future, I could see him holding the belt. It is something that I believe would be realistically done. That being said, these guys had a great match. Because even though Jiro did a lot of, 
you know, spot monkey stuff, a lot of top rope moves. Everything in the match was fluid. It all flowed well and it made sense. Nothing looked fake or phony when he did his spots. And Duke Hudson was there with a lot of ground game in order to keep everything organized. So they played off each other very well. Their styles connected very well. And everything in the match looked believable. Now, Duke Hudson advanced in the breakout tournament. Uh, and I believe he deserved it because he was definitely the better wrestler. And I, like I said, I look forward to seeing more from Duke Hudson in the future. And I'm hoping I get to see different matches with Jiro to find out if he is a good wrestler or just one of those, you know, strong style, no sell motherfuckers. I need to know that so I can judge accordingly. And then we see a sit-down interview with Wade Barrett and Kyle O'Reilly. And Kyle says, I'm not just the guy that can and will beat Adam Cole. I'm the guy that can and will finish Adam Cole. And of course, he says that after saying that, you know, he wasn't that upset about losing to Adam Cole because he understands that losing in the business is what they do. And of course, you know, uh, Kyle O'Reilly did beat Adam Cole the first go around. So from the look at this promo, we're going to see a rubber match. I don't know when that rubber match is going to take place. Like I said, if they're going to do a takeover around SummerSlam, that's where I would book that. But I said it before, and I will say it again because it bears repeating. If these two fight one more time, Kyle O'Reilly has to win. And then Adam Cole needs to go to SmackDown. There is nothing left for Adam Cole to do in NXT. I get it. He's the Iron Man of NXT. He has done a lot in NXT. He loves NXT. I don't blame him because like I said before, NXT is really the only show that I watch anymore from start to finish. Everything else, I kind of watch the highlights. I'm not really religiously following a lot of other wrestling shows. NXT is the only one I watch from start to finish anymore. Not just because it's the primary one that I recap, but also because I genuinely love the product. So I have nothing against NXT, but Adam Cole, in my opinion, is just taking up space. There's no room for another star to show up because Adam Cole is taking a spot. At this point, he needs to go. He needs to go to SmackDown. Don't go to Raw because he won't do well on Raw. He needs to go to SmackDown and prove that he truly is the best. He says he's the greatest. He's the best in the business today, okay? Now it's time for Adam Cole to prove that because if he's truly as good as he says he is, he should do well on SmackDown. He has to. There's nothing left. Kyle O'Reilly needs the win more than Adam Cole does. So if they go one more time, it has to be Kyle O'Reilly. And then we cut to the backstage area where we see Ciampa and Thatcher attach, attack Oni Lorcan and Pete Dunne. So obviously there's going to be a, a rivalry between them starting up. And then we move on to the next match of the evening. We have Jesse Kamea and Aaliyah with Robert Stone versus Casey Cantanzaro and Caden Carter. This, I wouldn't even call this a match. In fact, I should have said if you can call it that. And that was on me because nothing really special happened here. Kamea works over Cantanzaro. Cantanzaro tags in Carter, who clears the ring. Then Carter and Cantanzaro hit their finish on Aaliyah and get the one, two, three. Casey and Caden win this match in a quick, decisive fashion. This match didn't last very long, so there was nothing really special happening. In fact, the only thing special that happened was at the end 
of the match, where Stone tries to help Aaliyah up, but she pushes him away. Aaliyah says she's done more for Stone than he's ever done for her. Aaliyah slaps Stone in the corner. Aaliyah unloads on Stone. Aaliyah punt kicks Stone in the gut, blows a kiss to Kamea, and walks away. Frankie Monet walks down to ringside, looks Kamea up and down, and then Kamea follows Monet. So it looks like Aaliyah is no longer part of the Robert Stone brand. She says she's done more for Stone than he's ever done for her. I can definitely relate to that shit. That's all I got to say. Uh, I could 100% relate to Aaliyah's promo. I won't say why, but let's just say I can relate. And then we cut to the backstage area where we see Samoa Joe giving Johnny Gargano his directions for the match. Gargano says he'll be a law-abiding citizen tonight. Joe walks away and runs into Dunn. Joe and Dunn stare each other down. So obviously Samoa Joe is begging somebody to come at him. He's begging somebody to jump. He's begging somebody to fight, but everybody seems to be getting in his face. And I know it's only a matter of time before Joe starts unloading on people. It's bound to happen because someone's going to provoke him soon. But um, either way, I like that Johnny Gargano has been, you know, cool with everything. He's showing that, you know, he, you know, doesn't want any trouble. And if anything, he's making Samoa Joe's job a lot easier. So I, th- I figured after the confrontation with him and Karrion Cross. It was nice to see Gargano, even though he's a heel, saying, hey, I'll be a law-abiding citizen, no problem. Like, it was it was a good balance. And on that note, we cut to an in-ring segment with Adam Cole, where Cole says, it feels great to say, I told you so. Cole proved he was better than Kyle O'Reilly. Cole lost an unsanctioned match which means he's never lost to O'Reilly. Cole says he doesn't want to talk about O'Reilly anymore. He wants to talk about Samoa Joe. Joe is a coward and is basically just an overpaid security guard. Cole says no one in the back has the stones to face him. Bronson Reed interrupts and challenges Cole to a match. Cole tries to superkick Reed. Reed avoids it and crushes Cole with a body block. Cole falls out of the ring. Samoa Joe walks down to the ring and stares daggers through Cole. Because obviously Adam Cole's mad that Joe just stood there and let him get heel hooked. Um, But like I said before, it was like a classic Batman thing where Joe's like, I won't kill you, but I don't have to save you. And just kind of walked away. I liked that. Um, Adam Cole, as always, is great on the mic. And I like the fact that he brought up that an unsanctioned match doesn't count. Because I think that was a reference to AEW. Because in AEW, whenever they have a non-sanctioned match, it does not go on the win-loss record. So I like the fact that NXT is kind of bringing that up too. Now, I don't know if the main roster's ever done that, but I do know that AEW makes that very known when they do their win-loss records and their ranking system that if you win or lose an unsanctioned match, it does not count as a win or a loss in the record books. And I like that because it makes the motivation for an unsanctioned match more special. Like, hey, you're basically saying, I don't want the win to count. I just want to fight. It's when you get to that point where, you know what? I'm not interested in being a winner or a loser. I just want to beat your ass. It, It makes it more exciting and it makes an unsanctioned match more interesting. In fact, the only way it could have been better is if they did what AEW does and brings in no entrance music. You just walk out to the ring. If anything, they put at the end of the night and say, the show is over, here's your dark match, and boom, there it is. It's just a dark match that airs on TV. 
That's what it should be. And also, I love that Bronson Reed's involved because it does show that uh, Adam Cole may or may not have a rivalry after uh, Kyle O'Reilly. Or they might just have Adam Cole and Bronson Reed do a one and done. And then after the Kyle O'Reilly thing, we can call up Adam Cole. Because like I said, there's no reason for Adam Cole to stay on NXT unless you want to use him to job out to everybody else. Like, put over Bronson Reed, put over a bunch of other people, job a little bit on the way out. Then you can keep Adam Cole around, but outside of that, he don't need to be in the ring anymore. It's just, it's not helpful. And then we cut to um, Frankie Monet and Jesse Kamea and Robert Stone, the Robert Stone brand, and they bump into Mandy Rose, who for some reason is on NXT. I have no fucking idea why. And she said, looks like the Robert Stone brand is under new management. Now, I don't know if Mandy Rose is now permanently in NXT, but as someone who is not a fan of Mandy Rose, I never have been. I'm probably never going to be because, uh, like uh, Sonya Deville said before, she's just a centerfold bitch and nothing more than eye candy. Basically, all the shit that Sonya Deville said about uh, Mandy Rose when she turned on her were things I was saying about her pretty much since I first saw her on Tough Enough. So the fact that the fans were chanting, you don't go here, was awesome. Because she doesn't go here, and quite frankly, I don't want to see Mandy Rose on NXT. Now, if she's on NXT, obviously I'm going to see her because I watch the product, but nothing about Mandy Rose impresses me. She is literally one of those girls that is just there to be sexy, and from an in-ring standpoint, there's nothing special. From a promo standpoint, there's nothing special about her. And on that note, we move on to the main event of the evening for the NXT Championship with Samoa Joe as the special guest referee. Karrion Cross with Scarlett defends the title against Johnny Gargano. This, ladies and gentlemen, was an NXT main event. This easily could have been a takeover match. I mean, the crowd at the very beginning is chanting, Johnny Wrestling. Like, they are behind him no matter what. This was a takeover style, you don't know who the fuck is going to win match. Johnny Gargano proved that he can hold his own. Now, obviously Johnny Gargano is a great wrestler. He is a great worker. We've known this for as long as he's been in NXT. But Gargano has been such a heel lately, and he's done so much goofy, comedic things as a heel that because he's had to work it into his gimmick, which therefore has to be incorporated into his wrestling style, we sometimes forget that Gargano can be a badass. And in this match, he was a badass. He was still a heel, but he brought the fight to Karrion Cross. Now, I knew Karrion Cross was going to win, but I did not know how hard of a fight it was going to be. Especially when Gargano fights his way out of the cross jacket and at one point, you know, reverses the, a submission into a, you know, Gargano escape. Like the, the fluidness, the chemistry, everything was on point. Everything in the match looked believable. Again, it was stuff that if you were watching this as if it was a real fight, you could believe that this shit could happen in a fight the way it was portrayed the way that it was presented you could see this is a fight i believe this this is something i can get behind and i thought that was very very well done this match loved every bit of it loved it 
And these guys brought the fight. Uh, Cross hitting a nasty choke slam at one point. Gargano hitting the one final beat, but then Cross turned into a Northern Lights suplex. I mean, these, you know, Gargano blocked the Doomsday Saito. Like, everything in the match was great. And it got to a point where Cross had to pin Gargano for the win. He didn't choke him out. So it was a solid victory. And even there were even times where uh, Samoa Joe was allowed to get physical as a referee, not as a wrestler, where he could pull Cross off or take away the ring steps and Cross got on his face and Joe said, all you got to do is jump. All you got to do is jump. And then at one point I saw Gargano dive out and I thought I was going to hit both of them and Joe was going to fuck up Johnny Gargano. But instead, he just grabbed Cross and jumped out of the ring and hit a DDT on the floor. Phenomenal. And then after the match... Uh, you know, Samoa Joe, uh, grabs, counts the three, grabs the belt, hands it to Cross, raises his hand, then kind of throws his hand down. Cross gets aggressive, him, uh, verbally, him and Joe get into a shouting match. Joe eventually walks away, and then Cross locks Joe in the Cross jacket and chokes him out, which I thought was brilliant. Because we've seen Samoa Joe choke motherfuckers out a lot. When have we ever seen someone choke out Samoa Joe? Don't worry, I'll wait. That's right, we haven't at all. It's never happened, to my knowledge. At least in WWE. Maybe in TNA, maybe in Ring of Honor. But not in NXT or even WWE, for that matter. Never happened. So, we now know that Samoa Joe has been provoked. But here's the question. Is Joe allowed to show up next week and get retribution on Karrion Cross, Or because it's a now a new show, is there a reset button and Joe is not allowed to attack him? Because in my opinion, Joe should be allowed for that one episode of NXT to get his hands on Karrion Cross. William Regal should set it up to where Joe gets one shot at attacking Karrion Cross. He said, if you can beat up Karrion Cross by the end of tonight, you're off the hook. You can do it. But if you can't get to cross by the end of the show, you don't get retribution and it gets resetted. But Joe is allowed, in my opinion, to retaliate next week on NXT against Karrion Cross. It probably won't be a match, but he definitely is allowed to call him out to the ring for a fight. And they should be allowed to have one fight. Regal, you gotta give Joe that much. Otherwise, this looks stupid. And that, ladies and gentlemen, will officially wrap up this recap of NXT. I uh, thank you guys so much for tuning in. Uh, make sure you guys follow the Boochcast on Anchor, Spotify, Breaker, and Google Podcasts. Pick your favorite hosting site, follow us there. Or if you want to be a true super fan, follow us on all four sites. Also, like us on Facebook. Go to facebook.com slash theboochcast. We have archived episodes of the show as well as great content for you guys to check out make sure you guys check out our facebook page also make sure you're following us on twitter and instagram at the boochcast get the latest tweets photos and videos check out our content also be sure to subscribe to our youtube channel you can check out all of our videos on there we have Boochcast Reviews, Dark Side of the Ring. We have our D&D one-shot from WrestleMania. We have our WrestleMania Watch Party, as well as Survivor Series and the Royal Rumble. We also have good skits, funny videos. Check out all the content we have on the YouTube channel. So we also have... Uh, new episodes of Boochcast Reviews, Dark Side of the Ring, coming soon. We're going to be doing our Brian Pillman videos, The Ultraviolence of Nick Gage, Collision in Korea, The Ultimate Warrior, In the Shadow of Grizzly Smith, and of course, 
the Dynamite Kid, all coming soon. So hit the subscribe button and ring that bell to be notified so you'll know when these episodes of Boochcast Reviews Dark Side of the Ring will be coming to the YouTube channel. Also, make sure you are following us on Twitch. Go to twitch.tv slash theboochcast. Uh, you can check out our live wrestling watch parties and our live D&D show. You can live chat with us during that show. Our next wrestling watch party will be Saturday, August the 21st for WWE SummerSlam. That's next month. So make sure you guys are following us on Twitch so you'll know when we're going live and you can live chat with us during the pay-per-view. Also, our live D&D show will be taking place in October. We don't have an exact date set yet, but we do know October is when the D&D show is happening. You'll be able to live chat with us during the D&D show. John Tumblin, of course, will be the dungeon master for the D&D show. And we have other big surprises for the show, but we can't reveal what they are yet. But just know when we tell them, it is going to blow your fucking minds. And, of course, make sure you guys support the Boochcast by going to anchor.fm slash theboochcast slash support. Become a supporter of the show. Support this podcast with a small monthly donation to help sustain future episodes. We have three different levels that you can donate at, and we are currently in the process of working out prizes for each level. We don't have the prizes yet, but if you support us now, when those prizes are available, we will send them out to you. So you don't have to wait for the prizes to support the show if you don't want to our first level is 99 cents a month that's right just 99 cents very very simple all you gotta do just drop us 99 cents a month and you can help us keep this show going our second level is 4.99 per month basically the same price as a peacock subscription you can subscribe to the boochcast i know a lot of y'all don't want to subscribe to the peacock that's fine we got better content for you guys here anyway and of course, the final level, you can support the show for a mere $9.99. That's right. The same price you used to pay for a WWE Network subscription, you can take that $9.99 that's no longer going to the network and put it towards the Boochcast. Because let's be honest, we got better content than the network, so it's better to support a show that does everything it can to entertain its fans because they know without the fans, there is no show. And you can pay with a credit card or you can use GPay at anchor.fm slash theboochcast slash support. And until next time, this is Vinny Bucci, a.k.a. The Booch, saying keep on living life and take care. This has been The Boochcast. We'll talk to you guys next time. Until then, pizza, baby! Well, I see by the clock on a wall that it's time to bid you one and all goodbye. Goodbye. So long. So long. Farewell. Farewell. Adieu. Adieu. Be good. Stay well. Bye-bye. Keep warm. Relax. And eat. Take care. Stay loose. Adieu, mon vieux. À la prochaine. Goodbye till when we meet again.